Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Understory podcast. Understory is a global community of entrepreneurs and innovators who are working to make our world more sustainable. And today we're really excited to bring Stefan Garner to our podcast. Stefan is the CEO and co-founder of Sakana, which is based in Berlin, Germany. Stefan, welcome to the Understory podcast. Thanks so much. Happy Tell, to be here. Thank you. We're glad to have you here as well. Tell us more about your background first, and, and then we can talk more about Sakana and why you start, started the company. Sure. Um, yes, so I think the best way to start is that we, me and my two co-founders, we met about a decade ago, 10 years ago, while studying environmental and resource management, uh, so a study course with a strong sustainability aspect. And um, yeah, we, we lived together there and we're already working on smaller projects. And then um, we kind of moved all in different directions. Some, some of us got a bit more technical, other, uh, other ones a bit more into the GIS, the geo-informational uh, sector. And I kind of stopped by in the Berlin startup ecosystem. And um, yeah, after a while, uh, my two co-founders, Jacob and Julian, they joined me again, working in a company that was using Earth observations, so satellite imagery, to kind of detect where trees might encroach power lines or infrastructure uh, uh, networks. And uh, we really found that there's so much potential in this new big data platform, this new big data platform, which is Earth observation, satellite imagery of different sensors. And then we just added kind of one and one thing together and uh, our sustainability idealism, you could even call it uh, together with this new find, found domain expertise, satellite imagery. And, and created something new out of this. And uh, that's where Sekana was born. Um, and uh, yeah, where we are today. I, I love that founding story when people come back together uh, to build something meaningful. So let's yeah. talk about Sekana. Um, you talk about satellite imagery. Uh, one of the things that you talk about um, is carbon sequestration. Um, so, mm-hmm. Tell us more, our audience, more uh, about what is carbon sequestration? How does that relate to carbon emission? Because all these terms are floating around and yes, not yes, everybody's yes. familiar with that. Yeah. So carbon sequestration in that context just means that you take carbon out of the atmosphere and, and store it in, in, in some sort of a carbon pool, basically. And there are like different carbon pools. You can have organic carbon storage. You can have chemical kind of compounds in the soils. But um, um, most relevant, at least in our context, is the storage in these uh, yeah, organic compounds, which is mostly biomass. That's kind of that means taking carbon sequestration and using nature, so photosynthesis basically, to uh, to bind and to sink carbon into a new form that's then not um, yeah, warming our uh, our globe anymore. Okay, so uh, so for audience, so kind of let's take that one step at a time. So mm-hmm. for Sakana, how do you, um, how does the satellite imagery connect to what you're doing, carbon sequestration, and as you also say, the kind of storing uh, in the biomass. So kind of connect those dots for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. What, what we do at Sakana is we quantify the amount of solar organic carbon in the soil. So 
you look from space uh, uh, and use different imageries, uh, different images to um, extract and approximate the, the amount of carbon sequestered or stored in the soils. And you could say if, if for example, uh, you have two different spots in the world where uh, in, at one spot there's a lot of carbon and the other one there's uh, very little carbon, then you could imagine that plants or uh, um, plants, trees or, or grasses, they, they would react to these different levels of, car uh, of carbon in the soils. For example, where there's high carbon content, plants will grow quicker and with less carbon, they might even have a brown spot on the leaf, you could even say. And from space, you can actually see these differences. So uh, a strong growth in, in spring might indicate a certain or give, give some, some sort of explanation how much carbon is in the soil. Or if, um, if towards the summer, um, vegetation turns a bit brown, that might, might say there's not enough water for sure, but it can also give an, indi an indication about uh, the soil organic carbon contents. And it's these subtle differences and obviously, I just named one, there's a hundred more, even just the color of the soil, if we see the bare soil, can be an indicator. Those are all explanatory variables, predictors, it's called in machine learning, uh, that can uh, yeah, give us uh, an indication of what the soil organic carbon content levels are in that particular spot. That's that's really interesting. So what do you, so with those kinds of machine learning derived insights, mm. um, what kinds of questions can your customers or clients answer or a lot of the partners who are using Sakana's solution? What kinds of questions do they uh, go and then answer? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what they need to know is day zero, what's the amount of carbon today? And then a year later, what's the amount of carbon then? And what's the delta? What's the difference? Because it's exactly this different uh, difference in carbon that can then be issued in form of a so-called carbon credit to a market, an existing marketplace, a voluntary carbon market, and um, can then be sold for profit. So uh, they really need to have a cost-efficient way of quantifying, of monitoring the change of solar organic carbon throughout a certain time period. And that's, that's the tool that we want to give them uh, um, and provide to them so cost effectively they can they can say this is the amount of carbon that was sequestered it was uh, bound it was sunk into uh, our soils and uh so let's keep going on that because so interesting mm. um so you now talked about so you're measuring you're monitoring you're reporting you're verifying um are you doing the um, uh, the monitoring, reporting, and verification of the carbon credits for these customers and partners, or are you providing insights and the data for them to go and get verified? Uh, that's a very relevant question because what we envision, what our you know, what a, what the vision really is, to do exactly that: to provide an MRV tool from the comfort of your own desk to be able to quantify and and the soil organic carbon change. At the moment, this is not yet perfectly possible because there are standards and regulatory frameworks that help the market um, be scientifically rigorous. And it's, that's absolutely super important and we're happy they exist. But then it's then that we still need to convince that an earth observation-based monitoring reporting verification approach is um, feasible, scientifically rigorous. And, mm -hmm. and we're still in the process of, uh, of, of kind of 
of explaining these new protocols slash methodologies of so these new types of monitoring uh, reporting verification approaches and and explaining them to the, to the larger market so they can, they can then be accepted and then be readily available for uh, for the market right now that just isn't the case and that's yeah we have kind of gotten or taken a step back and are now providing just uh, just in quotation marks air quotes here uh, just insights because yeah. a, a project developer, so somebody that, that wants to create carbon credits, might already be happy to have more information about which site might have the highest potential to store carbon. So right. where's the highest return of investment for a project or just even the, the most basic question, what, what what's an area that's easily accessible where there's electricity, where there's water bodies close by because we need to irrigate. There's so many questions that GIS can, can beautifully answer. Uh, and these are kind of low-hanging fruits that we can already already help with, even though the final goal, kind of this typical startup 10x improvement, order of magnitude improvement, that would be the digital uh, exactly. monitoring, reporting, verification. Yeah, and that's a really difficult problem. And I think, as you as you said, the first uh, one of the many important uh, one of the many important steps is to actually help uh, people establish that baseline. And that's what you're doing. So moving to kind of the carbon market, because it is a huge topic. And I think in Europe, it's even bigger than in the US in terms of, um, you know, the carbon credits, the the carbon credit trading, the voluntary carbon Mm. market. Mm -hmm. Like, how does it work? Like, what's the supply? What's the demand? Uh, You know, um, how again specifically like your data feeds into the players who are in this market and where do you see it going? I recognize it's a multi-part question, but uh, let's uh, let's start from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting. The first part of your question, the difference between Europe and America, I think, is definitely there. We have a much stronger, more advanced, uh, and just people are discussing more about the compliance-based market. So uh, government putting on regulatory frameworks that every company, every industry has to be somewhat carbon neutral or, or decrease their carbon emissions. But we're talking about the voluntary carbon market. That's also the main focus of the, that we have at the moment. And actually that growth in, in, in the demand mainly comes from the corporate world. And uh, the American industries, uh, they are actually spearheading, I think, the demand. So that's where we're also quite active in, in the States at the moment. And how, how our technology tucks in there is that we are, it's not just project developers that, that, that want uh, or that, that need the information that we can provide. It's literally also ESG, so uh, environmental social governance departments, carbon departments within larger companies. It's a Microsoft, a Shopify, a Stripe that are looking towards this voluntary carbon market and also soil carbon credits to be satisfying their carbon neutrality needs, claims or wishes. So it's, it's exactly those customers that, that we would provide um, just an a, a easy to, to use tool set to uh, be developing new credits. And I think the most important and also the most interesting part what we can, what we can enable with, that, with that technology is obviously it's important in the corn belt of, of America to sequester more carbon that, that helps the whole globe to, be, uh, um, to, to prevent global warming. But I think the most untapped potential that we are not yet able to use is smallhold farmers, half a billion smallhold farmers mm-hmm. all over the world. 
And that's just at the moment with the current MRV methods, not cost effectively possible. And if right. we can provide this monitor from anywhere in this world, from space uh, uh, tool, this could really decrease transaction costs and make these, these uh, um, smallhold farmer projects really feasible. And that's when, when the, the voluntary carbon market in, in the context of solar organic carbon can really take off and companies all over this world can, can use carbon credits. So what you're saying there with the smallhold farmers, uh, Stefan, mm-hmm. if I understand that correctly, is that um, there is carbon sequestration activities happening with the smallhold farmers, um, but there isn't really a lot of data uh, to understand what um, the amount is or the level of carbon sequestration um, at the smallhold farmers. And if we're able to kind of deploy the technology to derive those insights, then those smallhold farmers and their assets are suppliers of carbon credits to kind of to this voluntary carbon market. Is that how, is that right understanding? There, there were many right things, but I think the, the crux here is uh, that at the moment, the, the monitoring is just too expensive. You can't fly a team of soil scientists to take mm-hmm. probes, invasive soil samples to, um, I don't know, to Nigeria. Right. Uh, um, and then and then fly those, in the worst case, fly, fly those samples back to a lab somewhere in Switzerland, test it to then create carbon credit. That's just not, the transaction cost is just it's not too feasible. high. Right. It's exactly, it's too high. And because monitoring reporting verification right now is 30% of the total project cost. And if you can decrease this, and we intend to do that by factor 10 to about 2%, um, then these, these farmers in, uh, in, in developing countries, they could really yeah, take advantage of this carbon financing aspect and be paid from, again, Microsoft, for example, to, um, to uh, yeah, do a bit more regenerative agriculture. And that's, right. that's really what we're aiming for. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I think in contrast to what you're saying is that, um, you know, some of the largest company in the world, um, as we've seen in the news, are investing or buying up forests or land, and um, they are able to afford, um, you know, doing that and, you know, getting data from that for them to be able to, I suppose, trade Um or, um, you know, transact on the voluntary carbon market and also offset their carbon emissions. Uh, whereas yeah. um, there are these, you know, areas or projects um, all over the world where there is a lot of opportunity, but um, it's not affordable and, and the economics uh, don't work. And that's, JJ, that's really where the biggest bang for buck lies. If right. We can, if we can help finance regenerative agriculture in developing countries, that's not just going to be uh, an improvement in terms of global warming, but it's going to impact so many other sustainable development goals because there will be more food security, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, life on land will be better. There's literally 13 SDGs that we can directly impact with solar and carbon projects. And, and that's really, that's really the, 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 the reason why we get up and work on this every morning Yeah. Uh, to, to look at this. Yeah, I, I love that. And um, so what do you think is needed to reduce the cost um, to get to, you know, some of these um, emerging markets and small hope farmers and really kind of create this positive cycle 
um, leveraging the value uh, also from the voluntary carbon markets? Is it on the technology side? Is it regulatory? Is it something else to drive down the cost? I think there's probably not just one reason, but mm -hmm. I think the biggest reason is just the cost prohibitive nature of the, the measurement, whether or not these projects have actually been successful, because it's absolutely pivotal to have a trustworthy way of measuring the change of solid organic carbon. And it just, just that can't be taken out of the whole equation, but it's just not cost, cost efficient at the moment to do it with invasive soil sampling. So what you really need is a cost efficient, probably remote way of monitoring um, changes. Mm -hmm. And um, there's ours is just one approach. We will do direct sensing. We'll actually measure them. You can also measure uh, the, and now I have to use the word again, the measures themselves say uh, cover cropping or sustainable irrigation, and then derive the amount of carbon that's sequestered by doing that. You can model the changes, but nevertheless, you, you will need one tool to really decrease or even take out a, a large chunk of the project costs, which is right now the monitoring, reporting, and verification. Yeah. No, thank you for, for pointing that out. I think for a lot of folks, they don't necessarily uh, understand that. And, you know, as for me, I'm, I'm also learning this as well. Um, so last question on the voluntary carbon market, because Stefan, mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're expert in this area as well, is what what does the economics look like? What is the economic model of a voluntary carbon market? Is there a profit? Who's making that profit? Um, you know, you obviously talked about using some of that profit for regenerative aquaculture and, and for other, uh, you know, good use. But as it stands today, who are the main players? And, you know, what, what does the economics look like? Since the market is... It's actually 30, 40 years old, but you could still say it's quite young. It's just developing. It's not right. really consolidated yet. There's many intermediaries that, that mm. earn in this kind of value chain. There's brokers, there's marketplaces, there's marketing agencies that all just add some sort of benefit to each credit, but it doesn't really reach the, the, the end point where it's intended right. uh, to be. So it doesn't really reach, let's say in our case, the farmer. So what we're really trying to do is just simplify the whole uh, the whole value chain to have as much money as possible as as much of the funds reach the actual farmer to to help him implement the regenerative agricultural practices for example and and again mrv this is where 30 percent of the cost right now lies and that's where 30 percent of the money is made right now by laboratories by uh, uh, soil sampling teams which uh, I'm not saying this is wrong, it's absolutely necessary at the moment, but it's just prohibiting this new generation, uh, generation of credits to, to be uh, coming on the market. And, and I think that's, that's really what will happen with the MRV. It'll consolidate, there will be more cost-efficient providers, and it'll be a focus on providing as much value to the people, to the actual project implementers, to the farmers of this world, to be uh, um, conducting a bit more regenerative agriculture. Yeah. No, I uh, I love that, and you kind of answer my next question is where, you know, where this market going, and um, uh, it's really interesting to get your perspective on, you know, who are the players and where the um, kind of uh, inefficiencies are, and uh, mm -hmm. similar to a lot of the other kinds of markets, um, it's evolution uh, to streamline yes, sure. um, the the process and and kind of 
the the value chain. So so fascinating. Um, so tell us a little bit more about um, the fact that you're based in Berlin, Germany. Your company um, does that benefit Sakana because you're really in a country where um, you know they they really um, think about this a lot and talk about this a lot. Um, you know, as a leader in the EU. Um, how, how do you kind of characterize uh, the climate tech ecosystem in Germany and in Europe to date? Mm-hmm. So interestingly, it's, it's just as, as climate change is a global problem, such as uh, satellite imagery is a global solution. We are also absolutely active globally. There's, we're partnering with people in Australia, there's super interesting projects in Burkina Faso and in Indonesia. We're quite active in the States. Argentina is a project where we're working on um, and Germany as well. That's very true. But I couldn't even differentiate between if, if there's a if geography, uh, fo- uh, geographical focus from, for, for us. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, we're very much uh, agnostic in terms, of, in terms of this. But then again, you're right. There's, I mean, Europe, there's... A, there's there's the, the policy space is stressing this topic more so there's probably going to be much more potential in let's say five to ten years with regards to the compliance uh, compliance based market mm-hmm. so the regulatory market article six the glasgow climate uh, conference uh, j- just um, uh, was dealing with th- this topic again but as i mentioned a bit earlier this is right now a game that's played in the voluntary carbon market and the us seems to be just really spearheading the demand so that's really uh, on a client's perspective on a kind of buyer perspective that's a bit of a focus that we have at the moment but i have to say it's a it's a global thing and yeah i'm seeing i'm seeing companies starting to understand that we all need to fight climate change and they're taking their share of responsibility and it's just awesome to see all around this world yeah so last question um if people want to find out more about Sakana or talk more about carbon sequestration, MRV, and all the things that we have talked mm-hmm. about here, where can they reach out to find you or find Sakana? Um, definitely visit our website, uh, sakana.com. Um, we're most actively uh, most active on LinkedIn, so you can definitely follow us there. And there you'll also see uh, me, Jacob, and Julian. Um, uh, and, our, uh, and can message us directly. We're super open uh, and love to chat and love to uh, kind of communicate the vision that we have. So they should definitely reach out and talk to us. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Stefan Gona, CEO and co-founder of Sakana. Uh, we're so happy you're here, Stefan, and uh, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Absolutely, thanks for having me. <laughs>